This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What a beautiful throw by the Baker. Big job! Hasta la vista, baby! Welcome in, everybody, to Victory Monday. Again, another one. Five of these things for your Cleveland Browns. It's uh, the OBR Film Breakdown Podcast. I hope you're well. Hope you're feeling great after, you know, what was a pretty fun Sunday. Enjoyable experience. Your Cleveland Browns are 5-2, and two, like I said. Didn't think we would uh, we would see this many victories this early, but here we are. Opportunity to go 6-2 and two before the bye. And, uh, you know, I think you have every right to be excited as a fan and I hope you are. I hope you're enjoying this. This is the first time since a couple decades, 1994, that they've been this, uh, you know, this hot to start a season at at uh, at, at five and five and two. I think they went six and one to start that year. But yeah, I mean, this is a game. We will talk here in just a moment about it. But this is a game that you're, you know, you would have seen this team lose over the past decade or more. I mean, it's a game where, you know, you thought it could get ugly early. The the Bengals go on a ridiculously long drive. The Browns make a nice swing play to create an interception at the goal line. But you could just sort of feel, you know, at that point you could feel that the group was coming out flat. Then the Browns take the football, have a six-yard run, second play. It's an interception directed at Odell Beckham that turns into a long return. And it just looks like a disaster. J.C. Treader's on the ground holding his knee. Odell Beckham is the one who actually leaves with what, um, you know, I just posted a video of that replay Looks like a pretty serious knee injury. Uh, I'm just kind of hoping for the best. Hoping for the best for him, but it does look like a serious knee injury, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, the Bengals then score three plays, 24 yards. It's 7 nothing. You just don't feel that great. Uh, the whole first quarter, the Browns are flat. If we look at, if I pull up these stats, I'm pretty sure the first quarter was unflattering for everybody involved. The, uh, the defense gave up, you know, 30, 33 yards rushing. 116 yards passing. Um, it was it was ugly all the way around. And the offense, Cream Hunt runs for 30 yards, but Maker Mayfield went 0 for 5, and it just looked like a group that was not going to be able to protect the quarterback, not going to be able to sit in and throw the football, not going to get any rhythm going. And just one of those games, like I said, where 
you just you just you go on the road in the NFL and you you get blown out for no reason at all against an inferior opponent or at least you don't make it a game throughout. But once again, Miles Garrett proves to be superhuman, creates a turnover. The Browns get a little momentum going at that point. Uh, do kick a field goal, but they you could kind of start to feel like it, it it woke the group up a little bit. You know, the Bengals end up kicking a field goal early second quarter to go up 10-3, but then the Browns put together a long, sustained drive, 11 plays, 75 yards, and you could start to feel like in the second quarter, Mayfield started to figure out a little bit of a rhythm. He goes 5-for-5 five five in the quarter for 49 yards, a touchdown. The problem was, and it, this problem persisted, was that the Bengals just kept going on long drives. Like the Bengals' two scoring drives in the quarter, the second quarter, two touchdowns, um, or sorry, a field goal to touchdown, 11 plays, 62 yards, 10 plays, 75 yards. They just, they controlled the time of possession. And that was a problem in the first half. The Browns found themselves down 17-10. So um, again, and we'll talk about the rest of the game, but that was, to me, a situation where I feel like Cleveland could have very easily been down 24-3 at half, something worse, much like what happened to the to the Colts against the Bengals last week where they started down 21 nothing quick. So... I'm really encouraged by how they were able to rebound. For the game, 468 total yards for Cincy, 398 for Cleveland. Obviously not great. I do love that Cleveland was able to go 5 for 7 on third down, so with an offense that kind of turned some things around. And I know the caveat of the Bengals' defense, but you got to do it eventually. You know, you could you could just not do it, which is a problem. So if a team does do it, they deserve some praise. There's perspective involved, but they deserve some praise. So, um, like I said, 398. The Bengals rushed for 81, or yeah, 81 yards, but they held Gio Bernard to 37. But Joe Burrow had a couple runs there to create 34 yards. Uh, but the passing yards are where they gouged Cleveland, where they had 35 of 47. Joe Burrow for for 406 yards and three touchdowns, the one tip ball interception. Another should have been interception by Terrence Mitchell too. But Joe Burrow is very good. Uh, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about it. And it's, I have to watch the All-22, but he just has a feel for what Cleveland's doing defensively. He has a feel for the type of coverage they run, the schemes where they're bringing pressure. He knows where it's coming from, and he knows to throw away from it, where they're rolling to cover up for the blitz. He's a very good young quarterback who's going to be annoyingly good in this league and in this division that we have to see him a minimum of two times every year. He's good. And the Browns have a ton of unanswered secondary questions that they have to get solved. They have to be able to confuse quarterbacks. They have to be able to do more than rely on Miles Garrett to create turnovers. They just have to do more of it. And they're relying like it's and the turnover in general is something that they're relying on way too much. They have to get stops. I don't think the Bengals punted all day. Um, no, they they did not. Unless I'm reading this wrong, they didn't they didn't punt once. So the problem was the Browns couldn't get the Bengals off the field. Um, just a, just a massive massive problem. Uh, defensively in a disaster game that, like I said, they should have, it felt like they should have lost in that regard. So, uh, yeah, they have to they have to get some things figured out defensively. Like I said, I'll write on it later in the week. The All-22 will tell us much more than what I can get from the TV view. The second half was full of a lot of rallies that I really enjoyed. You know, the Browns come out in the second half, put together a nine-play, 75-yard drive, um, tied at 17, end up taking a four-point lead on a Njoku 16-yard touchdown, Another lead, 31-27 on a Kareem Hunt, eight-yard touchdown, and then that obviously the final exciting play to Donovan Peoples-Jones for 24 yards. So Baker ends up going 22 of 28, 297. I think he went 22 of 23 in the second half. The only one was a, a clock-stopping uh, snap that they docked him for for an incompletion. But he was, you listen, quarters two through four, and I'm sure Pro Football Focus will touch on this over the coming days, were as good as I've ever seen him play. 
He'll have a high grade. I'm not sure it'll be in the 90s. Maybe it will be in the 90s overall. I'm not entirely sure. Probably not. But it was as good a precision passing attack as I've ever seen from him. So, listen, I got to kind of make, I'm going to make these points as we go through this stuff. But, like, to me what happened with Baker is he settled into a rhythm where the middle of the field was a problem for Cincinnati. And Cincinnati doesn't do as much confusion tactics as some other teams do defensively that give him some issues. They kept him clean, and he, he felt a rhythm. And, listen, I've said this probably more privately than publicly that I feel Baker's best suited for an offense where he feels like he can disperse the football around to different people equally. And it doesn't matter who he's throwing to. He's just going to throw it in that general direction. And he, he just has a level of comfort with that. And that kind of comes back full circle to the Odell Beckham situation where it's like, you know, can you really say that the Browns offense or Baker Mayfield will be better by reducing the level of talent around him on the field? There could be some of that, and I'm going to try to put this in writing in the next day. Is like there is something to a quarterback who feels like he has to, he feels like he has to force feed a player the ball, whether that player is putting it on him and telling him to do it, or whether the offense is somehow naturally telling him to do it, or whatever. It's it's tough to decipher what's going on there, but there's certainly no denying that Mayfield has some sort of issue with consistently getting the the football to Beckham, whether it's a timing issue, whatever. I'm not saying Odell's to blame. I'm, I'm not saying really Baker's to blame, but it's like a relationship you have in life. Maybe you've had one with your romantic interest or whatever, where for whatever reason, everything tells you it should work, but it just doesn't. There's something there's something chemically not there to make it work, and I just feel like the, the phrase maybe we're better off apart is the case here because... You know, maybe Odell needs a quarterback who loves to hang in the pocket a little bit longer because that gives Odell time to use more of his double route nuance that he's really good with or his quick slant game that he thrived with in in, in New York as a part of things that a, a, a quarterback who sees initial passing windows better, whether he's taller or is a guy who finds him quicker, is a guy who could get him those 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 opportunities in space. I don't know what it is. We've seen 23 games now, guys. He's only gone over 100 yards twice early parts of 2019, the uh, New York Giants primetime game, and then I think he went over 100 against Seattle when it really didn't feel like he did, but he actually did. He's had six games under 40 yards. So there's just like, there's a massive disconnect between these two, and I don't think anybody's at fault. It's just sometimes, like, even though the, like I, I tweeted today, the film tells you it should work, and and the data tells you it should work, it just doesn't. There's something about the timing and the chemistry of those guys that doesn't work. Now, we got we got evidence of Baker's production without him today, and again, that's Cincinnati, you got to keep perspective there, but the evidence is unfortunately telling us that, that Baker's just a little bit better without him on the field, and I don't know why. I don't have a great answer for it, and and I, I I don't know I don't know why that's the case. There's this whole Ewing theory that Bill Simmons throws out in his podcast, where you take the star player away and somehow the team becomes better. People have started to throw this out there with Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers this year. Is he's missed time and they've done better. I don't know why. There's something about Baker's. He likes timing throws. He likes. He likes tight ends. He likes receivers who he doesn't have to think about. I have to throw this direction at this time. I just think he might be better without him. And I don't have, again, if somebody yells back at me, hey, man, you're an idiot, you know, and I've even thought this to myself at various points earlier in the year, there's just no way taking Odell off the field makes this offense better. 
but somehow maybe it does. And I think it's 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 an experiment over the long course of this year with this injury Odell's going to have. There's going to be more evidence tied to it. We're going to see a little bit more how it all shakes out and what what if that's a real thing or not. But like, it, it just might be. And I feel so sorry for Odell who who was so happy to get to Cleveland and everything told us that it would work and and um you know it just everybody thought that this was a match made in heaven based on what the data told us and what the film told us and it just hasn't worked out and like Odell's a fantastic player I just would love to see him play at a place he thrives whether that's Cleveland or somewhere else if they can move him and benefit both Odell and the and 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 Cleveland's roster situation I I don't know I don't have the answer but I, I I do know that I really like both players and I hope it can work out for them, whether in Cleveland or somewhere else, that they can figure out how they can get the best out of the situation. So, like, you know, Richard Higgins steps in and thrives. There's Again, you talk about the lack of chemistry or connection or timing between Odell and, and Baker. It's the complete opposite for no reason at all. Richard Higgins is not the athlete Odell is. He doesn't have the hand-eye coordination Odell does. But for some reason... He has a genuine connection with Baker Mayfield, and it doesn't make sense. He just, Baker's ability to throw the football with accuracy seems to come out more often throwing to Higgins. And it, again, it doesn't make a ton of sense, but it's just a, it's an, it's a thing. And, you know, he, he's, I don't know why Higgins wasn't on the roster playing many games over the last two years. Is he a bad practice player? Maybe. Is he maybe not understanding the playbook the coaches want? Perhaps. I'm not sure. We don't have an answer on that. We've never gotten a really straight answer on it. But when he's on the field, he produces. So I'm not sure, although the the, the Madden ratings would tell us this is a big drop-off moving forward, I don't know how you can view it as a drop-off because Baker just continues to throw well to Landry, or sorry, throw well to, to, uh, to, to Richard Higgins, and it just has not unfolded the way we expected it to with Odell consistently speaking it hasn't and you can you can challenge that statement you can do whatever but it's it's just the way of 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 it, of the situation unfortunately and there's no changing it uh right now obviously and and it's worth in investigating whether it's it's wise for each player's future down the line this offseason so again we'll see more of Baker operating without that true number one wide receiver and and we'll get a little bit more data of whether this is a a one-off thing here or if you know if 2018 was the last time he was without him when he was playing his best football or if it's a consistent thing I don't know maybe it heightens Baker's mental awareness when Odell's not on the field and he knows he's got to be precise I don't I don't know I don't have a great answer but I know it's a tangible thing that you can see uh that we we kind of felt like everyone messaging me and tweeting me and texting me this looks like 2018 Baker well it kind of did and again, it could be because of the defense they're playing against. That's fine. But, like, it's something that I'm sure the Browns are investigating in the front offices and trying to figure out uh, going forward what makes the most sense for Baker and the best sense for this team. And, again, that is not to knock Odell at all. I think he works his butt off. I think he's a good teammate. I think he's portrayed incorrectly in the media. All of it. But there's something there, and I don't know what it is. And like I said, whether the Browns wanted it or not, they're going to be able to explore it moving forward because it's hard to see Odell's knee injury not being a serious one. So we'll keep our eye out for that. Harrison Bryant continues to flash four catches, 56 yards, two touchdowns. Fantastic work from him. Uh, and it was nice to see David Njoku get a big catch, two catches, 20 yards, and a touchdown on a great route, beating the safety back inside on that 
uh, red zone touchdown throw. It was really, really good to see Njoku feel involved again, and hopefully they can keep getting him involved as uh, they work to continue to try to find uh, a couple games here without Austin Hooper that they can they can get some success. So good stuff to see. And then, you know, you can't talk not talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones. His 24-yard touchdown to win the game with great footwork on the sideline. Had another couple great catches. One more catch, the first catch of the two-minute uh, sorry, the the one minute drive there to uh, to to keep that thing going on schedule was great. He caught the reverse pass from Landry. I I'm I'm to me so far it seems like the guy has a little bit more potential as a wide receiver than a kick returner punt returner. So I like seeing him functionally being used. It was great for his confidence. It was a great catch on the sideline. I liked seeing it all together. And again, Baker doesn't care who he's throwing to. He just kind of put it out there and he put it in a good spot and and, and people's Jones made a nice play on it so that was like I said great to see as well defensively Ronnie Harrison had nine tackles because there were a ton of chances to have those nine tackles he had a sack as well um, BJ Goodson seven tackles Sheldon Richardson seven miles with two more sacks is on pace for I think he's on pace for 20 sacks at this point um, it, other than that I think I think Harrison had a fumble recovery there Terrence Mitchell kind of got picked on again Unfortunately, uh, he he dropped that interception that should have been made. Uh, I should mention too, BJ Goodson had that tip ball interception. Denzel Ward played a hell of a game. Needs to be talked about. I'm sure it will get talked about in the coming days. Had multiple pass breakups. Uh, obviously had the tip in the end zone there that leads to the touchdown. Or sorry, leads to the interception. Just a heck of a game in a game that you really felt like he rose to the occasion. He's tied for the most touchdowns allowed in the league from coverage standpoint. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean he's playing all too bad necessarily. I thought he's playing pretty good football, but that was like an elite corner performance from him. So that was that was really good to see. Uh, Tyler Boyd led Cincinnati with 101 yards and 11 catches. I, he's going to get his. I have no doubt about it. I don't care who's covering him in the slot. Tyler Boyd's one of the premier slot receivers. Really good player. Uh, it was about how you could control the guys on the outside. And they, they, they really, they did kind of okay. Seven catches, 82 for A.J., Five for 71. They didn't cover well. T. Higgins, I should say, the 71 yards. They didn't cover well in general. I just don't think they're doing enough things to confuse the quarterback right now. And uh, and also, Joe Burrow played a hell of a game, too. So, But the Browns' pass coverage is, is without a doubt, their biggest weakness defensively. I think it ties into secondary play. I certainly think that their linebackers had one of their worst performances of the year. So I don't know how they get this rectified. Derek Carr coming up, another guy who is a quick thrower, who will beat pressures. One of the faster time to throw guys in the league for several years. If you remember in 2018 when they beat Cleveland, he was just abusing quick holes in Brown's coverage, and they will try to do that again with him. And it's going to be a big, big challenge for them coming up because maybe I think you take Joe Burrow and you say Derek Carr is a a, a, a little bit older version of what Joe Burrow can become. Joe's going to chance to become better, but Carr is that kind of quick thrower, beat your blitz, beat the zone coverage. How are the Browns going to confuse him? How are they going to mix up coverages? That will ultimately be very important to see. So, look, to, to kind of close, <laughs> let, let me do this. Before we do so, I'm going to talk to you about Indeed. Indeed has a, is, is, is very cognizant of the, you know, the job force, what needs to be done, and they're there to help you get these things your job opportunities and your and your placements for people there, you know, get them going fast. They're the number one job site in the world today because Indeed gets you people to fill those roles you need and they get them fast. Unlike others uh, in the job market, Indeed's looking to give you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. 
You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed gives you a powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in hire, with 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month. They're going to get you that important hire that you need. They're going to get you that important hire you need fast, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed's offering its listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means quality candidates will see it fast. Try out Indeed.com right now with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's the best offer you're going to find anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions do apply. Offer valid through December 31st. And lastly, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our good friends over at BetOnline.ag, where they also have a fantastic promo still going with their welcome bonus. You know, you can get in on all the things that you can, you know, want to parlay, spreads, totals, team, player, coaching props, all the above. You can get in on it right now. And they have great opening bonuses today for you to take advantage of. So head online to betonline.ag. Take advantage of the great sign-up bonus. Don't forget that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. And that's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook expert. So, listen, what I'm going to say about Mayfield is this as we close. One game doesn't change everything. He has not been good in 2020, and he was not good for large portions of 2019. Does this game, the situation, the second quarter through the fourth quarter spark a turnaround for the young man? I hope. I hope it lit a fire under him. I hope he felt that confidence he hasn't felt in a while, and I hope he can continue to to to, to piggyback on some of those confident throws he made. He made some back shoulder throws. He made some throws where he's giving his outside guys a chance downfield. Those throws that I I, I became accustomed to seeing from him, he finally started to make them again and give his guys an opportunity to make a play. I was excited about that. That stuff felt as close as we could have felt to 2018 as possible when we all thought he had this fantastic future. And that fantastic future might still be there. Guys go through tough periods in a career. Like We watch Mahomes, we watch some of these younger guys, Lamar Jackson, and while their growth has been boom here to there right now, they've shot up. You know, sometimes it can be non-linear. It can be an up and down, but eventually getting to that high performance is what you want. We all want Mayfield to get there. Maybe he does, but it might not be that path that we all expect. It might be circoshous. It might be full of like this first half of the season we've seen before he eventually figures the things out. I don't know. It's not out of play. And I know the Browns front office is giving him every chance to get there to, to, to be able to show he can do it. I was really pleased with it. It doesn't, like I said, it doesn't change what we saw the first six weeks of the season. But what it does do is remind us that there is the potential for that type of quarterback to be a consistent thing. Does he ever get there? I don't know. I don't know. But the game today gave us the glimpse of what it could be with him. The things that we have seen from him in this sense before. And he he really... He really took them and ran today and showed us this is what he could become. And this is what we need. What the Browns franchise needs is that version or close to that version of Baker Mayfield almost every week because that's what the best quarterbacks in the league are providing. So that's what you hope. And he gave a glimpse of it. He's an up and down guy right now. He's a streaky player. Does that mean he can, he can, he can, he can drop that label? I don't know. Maybe he does eventually do it, but he's got to prove that he can do it against legitimate defenses. He's got to prove that he can do it in in multiple games where he needs to drive down the field late like we saw. But the good thing about today and what you should feel good about is that player's still in there. That player is still in there 
and and maybe it can still work out. Maybe he can get this down with Stefanski over time, and they form this great Breeze Payton relationship over the next ten years, fifteen years, and it blossoms. I don't know. I don't know the future, but it was nice to be reminded that it could be there for him still. It's a, it's a really nice thing to see. Like I said, it doesn't have any impact on week 8, 9, 10, 11, but it was nice for week 7 to see that this is the guy we still think he can be, and it was good for Mayfield to see like he was, it felt like to me he was having fun. For the first time in a long time, it felt like he was truly just being that 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 alpha male leader that we've known from him, and he just looked like he was having fun, and, and the quotes afterward were fun. Uh, I encourage you to find some of those because it just, like I said, it sounded like the guy was having fun for the first time in a while. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work out for him. I hope it does. I, I think they'll give, like I said, every chance of this year and a good amount of next year to figure out if it does work out for him, but we'll just have to see. But again, today was a really, really nice reminder of uh, of what he can be and what we all kind of expect him to be. I pull for him. I don't like doing videos of negativity about Baker Mayfield. I don't like writing negatively about him. None of it. I don't like any of that stuff. I'm pulling for him. I want to write on good football players making good football plays all the time. That's the fun stuff. So hopefully he can keep doing it because it makes for you as the fan enjoying it more and me as the person writing on it, covering it, enjoying it more. So uh, today was a nice nice reprieve from that offensive struggle stuff that we've seen from the quarterback and and uh, and really a breath of fresh air with, with feeling a little bit of optimism at that position. So fun week ahead. We will have a, a good guest uh, that covers the Raiders and we'll learn a lot about that football team because not many of us care much about it. We don't know much about them as far as being out in the you know, in the, in the West and, and we don't see them all too often, but it'll be good to get some content on where they're at. So we'll have that up and, and uh, as usual, we'll have all 22 notes that'll be up that'll cover the game schematically, performance, personnel, all of those things. So we'll have that up as I do for all of our OBR subscribers. We will have one last quarterback breakdown that will be free to all uh, all viewers on YouTube. We're going to start putting that for just our, our, our OBR subscribers soon. So I encourage you, if you're a subscriber or not a subscriber, to get, get signed up for your first month as a buck. You could take advantage of that and get those quarterback film rooms we're going to do every week throughout the rest of the year. So, uh, you know, until then, give us a rating, review on iTunes. Always appreciate that. And I, again, i got to encourage you to join the OBR where we have some great stuff coming. Great forums, great Ask the Insider, great Rumor Central, and many more things that are going to be specifically tied to subscribers at the OBR coming soon. So, again, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy your Victory Monday, 5-2. and two. Enjoy that stuff, guys. A great opportunity to win again on Sunday. Until we talk later this week when we talk the Raiders, let's go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.